It's a true privilege and honor to stand here, and I'm so very excited to be here with you this morning and uh, finish out this sermon series entitled Lead Me, where we're learning to find um, God's will for our life. Uh, have you enjoyed the series? I mean, Pastor Dave has been nailing it. Um, very big shoes to fill here this morning, but I'm hoping that we have a great time. Can we pray together? Father, thank you for this opportunity and Holy Spirit. You've, uh, you've helped me this week prepare, and I pray you would help me this morning deliver, fill my mouth, and give me the gift of your presence. Uh, give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a mind to understand the principles of your word that we're looking at together today. Everyone said? So um, we're going to look at the book of, we've been looking at the book of Ruth here to glean principles for finding the will of God in our life. The book shows its characters facing Life's normal challenges, things like death, moving, lack of finances, family responsibilities. And we find God weaving a story of redemption out of every detail. And the book encourages us to believe that this same thing is happening in our lives. God was with Daniel in the lion's den. He was with David on the battlefield. He broke Paul out of prison, and he was present and active in Ruth's life while she harvested grain for her bitter mother-in-law after the death of both their husbands. As we pursue God's will, our call is not to be flashy or famous, but only to be faithful. Reading from Romans 12, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, Offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. One of the things that has blessed me in this series is that Pastor Dave is leading us to be comfortable knowing this verse is true. If we acknowledge God in all our ways, we can know his will for our life and we can live it. Are you encouraged this morning? Are you feeling like you can know God's will and you can live God's will? Amen. All right, we're all together on that. Reviewing the story so far in chapter 1, living in a foreign land to avoid famine, Naomi finds herself widowed with two widowed daughter-in-laws. One of the daughter-in-laws, Orpah, leaves to find a husband, but Ruth stays with Naomi as they return to Israel. In chapter 2, Ruth went to work to provide food for herself and Naomi. By God's providence, she ends up in Boaz's field. He shows her kindness, protection, and provision and Ruth later learns that he's actually closely related enough to potentially be a kinsman redeemer. And then chapter 3, Naomi creates a plan for Boaz to marry Ruth. He accepts, but there is a condition. There is someone more closely related to Naomi who could be a kinsman redeemer before him. That man gets the opportunity to marry her first. So Naomi tells Ruth this at the close of the chapter. Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens. 
And that's where we pick up the story today. Chapter 4, verse 1. Meanwhile, while Ruth is waiting, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. I want to pause right here before we go any further and notice this phrase. Boaz got to the gate just as. Everybody say, just as. And we're all with me. Just as the relative came along. It just happened when he sat down. There he comes. Oh, he didn't have to wait very long. Here we see another hint of providence in Ruth's story. And it's at least the third In chapter 2, when Ruth began searching for a place to gather food, verse 3 of chapter 2 says this, And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. In chapter 3, when Ruth laid herself at Boaz's feet late at night, we read, verse 8, It happened at midnight. The man was startled. Could you imagine how the story would be different if Ruth couldn't wake up Boaz? Like, My wife can't wake me up sometimes at night. Like, she's there. It's just a lot of loud snoring. And then she goes home. Like, she's like, she tells Naomi, I couldn't wake him up. Imagine how the story would be different. But that's not what happened. As a hint of providence, it just so happens that Boaz was startled. Maybe an angel (laughs) pinched his nose. (laughs) To understand this part of discovering God's will for our life, I'd like to quickly define providence. I use that phrase, hint of providence. It will actually require us to take a look at the doctrine of sovereignty as well. Real quickly, providence is probably most often confused with coincidence. Webster defines coincidence as a remarkable alignment of events or circumstances that seem like they should have a cause, but actually don't. I would say that providence is a remarkable alignment of events or circumstances that God in his goodness caused to happen so he can reveal his presence with us and his will for us. Providence happens at the intersection of God's will, our will, and his sovereignty. God's sovereignty is his power and authority to do anything he wants in creation. According to his power, he can do whatever he wants. According to his love, he does whatever is best for us. Are you thankful for that? He only exercises his power if and when the time is right, according to his perfect wisdom. Jesus taught his disciples to pray to the Father. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Later, Jesus followed through. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he himself prayed, Not my will, but thy will be done. He then followed through with his commitment and submitted himself to the Father's will at Calvary for you and I. But sometimes humans look to God and say, Not thy will, but my will be done. I have done that. Anybody else with me? God gives us that freedom. He gives us that free will. But when we surrender our will to his, we give God permission to ordain the happenings of our life by his providence. Providence is God working within the laws of nature and human choice 
to govern the affairs of our life to see his will come to pass. You could say it's God's super in our natural. God's super in our natural. The Bible repeatedly uses language of open and closed doors to help us understand God's guiding providence in our lives. And we see them in Ruth's story, spiritual doors. So let's pick up in verse 2 now. Boaz took ten of the elders of the town, and he asked them to sit down too, and so they did. Then he said to the guardian redeemer, Hey, Naomi's back from Moab. She's selling that piece of land that belonged to Elimelech. I thought I should bring it to your attention. I want to suggest that you buy it here in front of all these people. And if you will redeem it, then do it. But if you're not going to do it, let me know. Because you get first dibs, but I'm next in line. The relative said, I'll take it. Verse 5, then Boaz said, but on the day that you buy the land, you will also acquire Ruth, the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with the property. At this, the guardian redeemer changed his tune. He changed his mind. He says, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. Redeem it yourself. I can't do it. Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, Today, your witnesses, I have bought from Naomi, Elimelech's property. I've also acquired Ruth the Moabite as my wife in order to maintain the name of the dead. Today, you're all witnesses. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The woman living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. I want to look at this last chapter of Ruth together through the lens of two very familiar scripture passages and ask the Holy Spirit to breathe on them so they become fresh bread from God's word to us today. First, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. We know this verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Over the first three weeks of the series, we've learned very practical ways to find God's will in our lives. Doing life with other believers, trusting God's timing, living by the principles of God's word with character, making ourselves available for God's use. These things that we're called to can be gathered together in one big theological lump, I believe, that fits into the first half of verse 6. Acknowledge God in all your ways. Acknowledge just means to recognize the existence of, maybe show appreciation for. When we acknowledge God in all our ways, it keeps us in God's general will, which we find clear guidance in Scripture for this. If you're not serious about learning the principles of Scripture... You can't say that you're serious about knowing God's will. That was a good place for an amen. Acknowledging God in all our ways depends on us. Our free will gives us the choice to obey Scripture. Hint, another good amen point. If you're not serious about obeying the Bible, you're also 
not serious about walking God's will for your life. Man, I gave you the hand, and you didn't even. I'm, I'll draw it out of you. Acknowledging God in all our ways requires us to follow God's principles. Again, you find them, you know where? In the Bible. Including things like plugging into a church family, finding a spiritual mentor, which is exactly what Ruth found in Naomi. Remember, she said, where you go, I will go. Your God will be my God. How is Ruth acknowledging God in chapter 4? She's honoring Naomi's counsel, which was God's providential counsel, and she's just waiting. Waiting without complaining. Waiting with character and trusting the timing of God who says in Scripture, when the time is right, I, the Lord, will make it happen. This is what I'd like to find comfort in today regarding God's will for our life as we obey the portions of God's will that He reveals to us. He will make the rest happen. Amen? The second half of 3.6 tells us this. As we acknowledge God in all our ways, He will direct our paths. You can think of it this way. Thank you, Pastor Dave, for this. Acknowledging God in all our ways keeps us in the car of God's general will. But God's power and providence keeps his hand on the steering wheel. By directing our paths, God will help us accomplish his specific will for us. And as we trust open and closed doors, we'll discover specific guidance that we might not necessarily find in Scripture. The verse says... He will direct so we can rest knowing that direction comes from God, depends on God. His power and providence alone can make it happen. The book of Revelation says it this way, God opens doors that no man can shut, and he shuts doors that no man can open. When God directs our path, we must simply choose to obey and follow his direction. We still follow but now we follow the Spirit. Romans 8.14 says, Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Jesus said this, speaking about being led by the Spirit, John 3.8. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell from where it comes or where it's going. And then he said, that's how it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. Some Christians are still fighting against sins of the flesh because they are bored with their faith and seek excitement in other idols because they aren't experiencing the thrill of being led by the Spirit every day. Come on, anybody experiencing the thrill of being led by the Spirit? It will take, it's the greatest pleasure. It, it removes the desire for all other pleasures when we're walking with God every day. Seek God's kingdom first. Be flexible. Get filled with the Holy Spirit. Expect God to use you to change your world. Expect spontaneity. Strap in and enjoy the ride. When the Bible references being filled with the Spirit, I think we often imagine filling a cup to to the top. But the picture 
is actually like sails on a boat. You set your sails, and the wind of God will fill you, empower you, and direct you. It's also like this glove. Sitting on the pulpit here, this glove has no power to accomplish anything on its own. But when I put When I put my hand in this glove, it will be able to accomplish anything that my hand has the strength to do. Do you see that? Our job is to be an empty, yielded vessel, ready to be used by God. Let the Holy Spirit fill our lives and animate our lives as we remain fully surrendered to him. Let God lead you by his spirit. The Holy Spirit blazes a trail for us as we follow him. He leads us through spiritual doors that he himself creates and opens by his power and providence. When we do everything we can, God will do what we can't. That's good news. When we do everything we can do, God does what we can't as we acknowledge God in all our ways. He directs our paths and accomplishes his specific will for our life. And sometimes that path leads us to a closed door. Another act of God's providence was a closed door in Ruth's life. She was rejected by her nearest relative redeemer. Verse 6, remember, he said, I cannot redeem it. I might endanger my own estate. In other words, I'd like the land, but I'll pass on Ruth. She's not worth me risking the good thing I have going already. She is worth less to me than my current estate. Man, you see how it's easy for us to hurt each other. Very easy to leave marks on people's souls that last for years. Anybody else? ever experienced that. I was actually in my early 30s before I discovered what it felt like to live life with at least a little bit of confidence in myself. I'm not looking for your pity here, just sharing my testimony. Something about my emotional makeup and my family of origin made me a non-confrontational people pleaser. In school, I had buck teeth, acne, and greasy hair. I have a picture here today of myself in high school. <laughs> Before David was anointed king of Israel, he was considered worthless by his father and his family. They thought he was an illegitimate child. But because, because God revealed leadership in Joseph's future, remember the dream? He revealed leadership in his future. He was despised and rejected by his brothers. Jesus himself said, if the world rejects you, know that it rejected me first. People may exclude you or reject you for lots of reasons. Nobody volunteers for closed doors, rejection, or painful situation. But they often bring us growth and maturity and at times can actually be God's guidance as he accomplishes his specific will for our life. Rejection was part of Ruth's story. But listen, 
The rejection she experienced literally made it possible for Boaz to marry her. It literally had to happen so that there could be the wedding they wanted. Looking back on the story, we see that rejection was direction. Come on, somebody. Turn to your... Okay, we can clearly see God's providence in Ruth's life. He directed her path. His timing was perfect as he orchestrated the events of her life for her good. All right? But now, turn to your neighbor and say, but it wasn't all good. Romans 8.28, we know that all things work together for good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Another great verse. It says all things work together for good. It doesn't say all things are good. God was working toward Ruth's good, but it wasn't all good. We see a happy ending at the end of Ruth's story. But the entire story wasn't good. As you and I move through our life story toward our desired happy ending, God has ordained our journey to transform us into the image and likeness of His Son. While we often aim for happiness, God is more concerned with our holiness. The happy ending we are all promised gives us strength to endure the journey, but the happy ending comes after a hard journey. Let's go back to the very, very beginning of Ruth's story. Do you think Ruth would marry Malon if she knew he would die early, leaving her to gather food for bitter Naomi every day? Maybe. I don't know how good of a guy he was. Maybe it was worth it. Maybe not. You see, in the book of Ruth, we have the privilege of knowing the whole story. I love this. You could say we know the end from the beginning. Does that sound familiar? Just like God knows the end from the beginning of my story. And God knows the end from the beginning of your story. God has written your story just like he wrote Ruth's story. Do you believe that? God has a great library in heaven. He values each of us so much that every one of our days is written in a book. You don't need to believe me. The Bible says it. Psalm 137, verse 16. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God has a plan and a purpose for each of us. And things work together for our good, if Romans 8.28 can still be up there, according to that purpose. If you want to discover God's will, God's purpose must come first. Not our preferences and not our plans. God's purpose you want to walk in God's will for your life, ask him to give you the strength to lay down your life before him and let your preferences and your plans die to make room for his purpose. Keep walking with God in patience, character, principles, and availability, acknowledging God in all your ways, 
and trust the God behind the open door and trust the God behind the closed doors. Here's this. And trust, I love this, if it's not good yet, God's not done yet. David wrote this, I would have fainted if I wasn't sure I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. There's goodness on the other side of difficulty for us here in this life. But even the best this life has to offer can't begin to compare to the things that God has prepared for those who love him and are called according to his purpose and are found in Christ when they die. Listen, God walks us through seasons. We talked about that during this series. He determines when they change. And for those who live in Christ and die in Christ, we will all share together our final season. We will all be in heaven together. And I wish I had more time to talk about it. But it is our eternal hope. The anchor of our souls is the hope of heaven. Tell your neighbor, if it's not good yet, God's not done yet. We can't finish this series without celebrating Jesus as kinsman redeemer. All right, we've used this phrase all throughout the series. Now, to our Western sensibilities, the idea of a kinsman redeemer is a little crazy. But nonetheless, it was a real part of Jewish culture called the Law of Leverett Marriage which was essentially a work of redemption. Ultimately, it was a type and shadow of Christ's work to save us at Calvary. Here's some of how it worked. If a woman's husband died, her nearest male relative would have the responsibility of purchasing the land, canceling any financial debts they might have had, marrying the woman, even having a male child with the woman to make sure the name of the dead husband lives on. But the kinsman redeemer had to, number one, be related. Okay? This brings the responsibility. Number two, he had to have money. He had to be able to afford it. He had to pay the price. And then number three, he had to be willing to do it. We saw that Ruth's nearest kinsman relative wasn't willing. As we saw in the story, this commitment was usually decided and made public at the gate of the city. So the gate of the city is kind of like a large courtyard type of room that existed kind of at the entrance of the city, maybe just outside of the city, where many people, including town elders, could gather around and be present to sit and watch as justice was administered in these type of covenant arrangements. Scholars believe one of the reasons that the nearer relative kinsman rejected His responsibility to redeem the land, including Ruth, was because she was from Moab. She was a Gentile woman. But Boaz purchased the land to get Ruth, a Gentile bride that he loved. Can I read a one-sentence parable from Jesus in closing? 638 Excuse me, that's Matthew 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven. Jesus said this. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure 
hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in joy, went and sold everything he had. And went and bought the field. You see, like Ruth, we were left on our own without protection, without provision. We have all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. We have a sin debt that we cannot pay on our own. But when the time was right, Jesus was born of a virgin and became a man. He was now a relative, a human like us. As he grew older, he grew in favor with God and man. He never sinned. He always obeyed and honored God. The first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Due to our fallen nature, there has never been one moment where you or I have ever loved God with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind. Not once, not one moment. But there was never a moment that Jesus did not love God with all of his heart and all of his soul and all of his mind. He was sinless and pure before the Lord, an unblemished lamb. And just outside the city of Jerusalem, justice was administered and a new covenant was born when Jesus was murdered on the cross that we deserved. As a man, he was qualified to be our redeemer. As a sinless sacrifice, he could pay the price to redeem us. Out of love for his father and out of love for us, he was willing to do it. He said, no man takes my life from me. I lay it down. In our sin, mankind had surrendered ownership of the earth to Satan. But Jesus' death on Calvary conquered sin death, hell, and the grave, and he purchased back the title deed to the earth. He purchased the earth and canceled our sin debt. The earth is the field that Jesus purchased with the shedding of his blood. But just like Boaz, Jesus was less interested in the field. He wanted the treasure that came with it. You are the treasure in the field. He gave his only son so that you could put your trust in him and be reconciled to the Father and receive eternal life. We all take the same first steps into God's will. They are to repent of our sin and trust in Christ. Can we pray? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your presence here, Holy Spirit. 
this beautiful story you give us in Ruth's life. In Jesus, we pause now and make space for any in this room to take a moment and say yes to you as Lord and Savior.